whatever you want to say. Say good morning and then grab a seat. Wow, wow, wow. Well, listen, today is, uh, I guess, a special day. I don't know. Why is everybody here? I don't know. I want to tell you something. So not only is it packed in here, our entire South Auditorium is packed as well. It's awesome. Everybody's over there. So hello, South Auditorium. Glad you're there. And everybody watching online, uh, listen, man, Easter's a big deal. It's, it's one of the most celebrated holidays of the year. And, and a lot of you are, I'm just so glad that you chose to be here with us uh, as part of your Easter celebration. You could do a lot of things. A lot of people do a lot of different things on Easter and celebrate in different ways, but I'm glad you're here to be with us. And, and so uh, I thought since it is such a big holiday, uh, I looked into some statistics here on Easter. And so this is what will be estimated to have been spent this year in the United States alone on Easter. You ready for that? Okay, there will be $24 billion spent on Easter in the United States. That's a lot. So that's like Easter clothes. Some of you wearing them right now and baskets and all that stuff, you know? So I was thinking about the Easter baskets. And uh, so I looked at the top four items in the Easter baskets. What's number one, everybody? Chocolate bunny. Listen, it's 90 million were sold last year. 90 million chocolate bunnies, man. Number two, what's your guess? Jelly beans, jelly beans. Now listen to this. Okay, 16 billion were consumed last year. That circles the globe three times. We have problems, okay? <laughs> three, candy eggs, and then four is peeps. I couldn't believe that. That surprised me. That was surprising. And listen to this, 81%, 81% of, of you parents are planning to steal candy from your kids. <laughs> How dare you? I would never, I would never. But think about this, think about this everybody. Today, by being here right now, you are a part of what will be two billion people celebrating Jesus on Easter. Think about that, that's an amazing thing. So why is this such a big deal? Well, here's why it's a big deal, because Easter proved who Jesus said he was. That's why Easter is such a big deal. Jesus made some bold claims when he lived. He lived on his earth, he said things like, I am the son of God. So he never claimed to be a great teacher. He said, I'm the son of God. He said things like, I am the Messiah. I am the savior of the world. I am the only way to heaven. There's some bold claims, bold claims. But then here's what else he said. He said, in fact, I'm gonna prove everything I just said because I'm gonna get killed. And then three days later, I'm gonna come back from the dead. And gang, he did it. He did it. And if you're new or visiting here, or if you're watching online, uh, what a lot of us are noticing up here is something that's missing because what's missing is what we have up here every Sunday, which is about a, a 10 foot cross uh, over there on the, the stage. But here's why, and it's gone. And here's the thing, gang, it's gone because right now we don't worship a cross that Jesus died on. We worship and celebrate the fact he's alive again, right? It's amazing, the cross is gone, the grave is empty. He is risen from the dead, amen, everybody, yeah. So, so here's, here's what I want to do today. Here's what I want to do today. Uh, we're going to hear a story that Jesus actually told a group of people and how this story ties in exactly why he came and why his death and resurrection are so necessary for us to accept and believe. So if you have your Bibles out there, go and grab them, get them out and open them up to Luke chapter 15, Luke 15. 
Now, as people are doing that, uh, if you are new or visiting, I just do want to say something really quick. What we've been doing as a church, starting in January, we've been going through the Bible in an entire year. So in January, we started in Genesis, and we're going all the way through to Re- Revelation in December. And so if you're looking for a church home, if you're trying to figure out what it is, man, there's no greater time than to join us. Join us next week. Uh, we're just getting at the end of Deuteronomy, so we're still really early on. Come join us. You can download all the messages that you missed. Just want to invite you there if, if you don't have a church home. Uh, but we're going to take a break from doing the Bible in a year and just jump in uh, to a story that Jesus tells us. So let me set the scene here in Luke 15. So here's where we're at. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to be crucified. He knew it. Not everybody else knew it. Uh, it's just a few months away from that. And him and his disciples are just at a pit stop. All right, they're at a pit stop. And what we see uh, is there are crowds just all around him, all around him. Uh, and, and we talk about this a lot, but we miss this. And it wasn't just religious people that were around him. It wasn't just people who go to church that were around him. In fact, uh, most of the people around him were people who were furthest away from God. Because, you know, there was something about Jesus. There was something about God in the flesh, this holy guy that really registered with people even furthest from God. They, they didn't scatter when he showed up. They weren't like, oh man, it's a religious guy. Go, yeah. No, they were like, no, let's hear what he has to say. I wanna hear what he has to say. Now the religious people were there too. But they weren't as much gathering around him as they were kind of grumbling about him. And they said things like, oh man, look, he likes being around those sinners. And you know what? They like being around him too. He must not be telling them the truth about God. He's, not, uh, he's just telling them what they want to hear. Yeah, yeah, you know what else I heard? He likes to eat with the sinners. They just, they couldn't stand it. It's like me and Steelers fans. Like, I'm like, I just, ugh, I can't take it. Ugh, you know? And Jesus picks up on this. He picks up on this. Of course, he's Jesus. You couldn't even whisper without him knowing you were saying something. So he stands up and he tells the crowd a series of three stories about lost things and found things. And the third story is the one we're gonna be in today. And it's probably one of the most famous ones. It's what everybody calls the story of the prodigal son. So we're gonna pick this up in Luke 15 and verse 11. Here's what Jesus said. He said, to illustrate this point further, again, he, he had just told two stories about the same thing. Jesus told them this story. Man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. And about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And so Jesus says, there's a dad who has two sons. And the younger son one day comes up and goes, dad, uh, I want my inheritance right now. I have no need for you. Give me what is mine. I, I, I can't wait for you to die. And it's one of the worst things that you could hear. It's one of the worst things that you could hear because he's basically saying, dad, you're dead to me. Now, the dad in this story had a choice. He has a choice. He could either kick him out, which most people listening to Jesus' story would have done. They would have said, yeah, you kick him out. Or he could have just given it to him right there. And he decides to split up the inheritance and he gives it to both sons the younger and the older sons. And so in his mind, man, the younger son has the plan. He's like, this is how I'm gonna live my life. I am free now. This is what I'm gonna do. And man, it probably started out strong, right? Like parties were epic and people were just loving him. As long as the money kept flowing, man, they, they, he was their best friend. And, but then the money kind of stops. And then something happens that isn't in his plans. And isn't that same for us? 
right? You go through life and just something happens and it ain't in your plans, but he didn't plan a famine. And we see that he's basically eating leftovers from the pigs, but uh, he still didn't want to go home. Now, why didn't he want to go home? Well, he knew what was waiting for him. And see, what he knew is what we don't understand in that, in that time is what, what he knew is that if he did go home, what would happen is the entire community would meet him outside of town and they would gather in front of him and they would hold a big pot and in front of him, they would take a hammer and they would smash it in front of him and they would say, this is the brokenness that you've caused us. That, that you've broken our community, you've broken our trust, you've broken the heart of your father. And so now you are cut off. You're not welcome here anymore. And that, there was actually a Hebrew term for that called kazaza, which meant cut off. And so they wouldn't let him in. And so he knew that, he knew that. So he stayed away. And, and the people, again, this is Jesus telling the story, the group of people. See, they, they would have listened to this and if, the, if they would have probably been like, yep, because that's what he deserves. Like he deserves that. And, and if Jesus stopped the story right there, they probably would have said, man, that's a great story. What a great story. And, and the fathers probably would have went home and said, hey kids, gather around. Listen to this story I heard. Here's what happens when you cross me, right? Like this, this is how God is like. You get what you deserve. What goes around comes around. What a great story. But this isn't where Jesus stops. He keeps going. Next verse. It says, when he finally, the younger son finally came to his senses, he said to himself, man, at home, even the higher servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say this, Father, I sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father and now the crowd is like, oh man, I'm so glad I stayed for this. I can't believe he's going home. Jesus, what's gonna happen, right? And so, so this is it. So the son, Jesus says, comes to his sense and says, all right, I'll either die or go back. And so he chooses, I'm just gonna take my chances. And what Jesus says, he gets a speech ready. And it's a three-point plan on his speech. First, he's gonna say, I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God. And then second, he's gonna say, all right, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. He knows he's not gonna show him, just say, hey, how about a takesy backsy, dad? Like he knows he's not gonna be able to do that. And so then the third one though, this is what he's gonna really be banking on. He's gonna say, if you just bring me on as a servant, like I'm not, I'm not even asking to be on in, the, in the house. Just, just get me on property. I'm not, I'm not gonna show up at Thanksgiving. I'm not asking for my room back or anything like that. I know that's all off the table. If you just let me on the property. And so, so he gets that, he gets his speech ready, puts it in his pocket. And he starts heading home. And then he gets close enough to see the property and then something happens that he never counted on. It says this, it says, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. And so this father, this brokenhearted man who was rejected, wished dead by the son. Every day, what we're learning now is he would just look off to the horizon. Nobody else was doing that every day. He couldn't go on like it was a normal day. Nobody else was doing this. Every day, just looking. And then one day, it happened. He saw him. And Jesus says, without any precalculation, without any hesitation, he didn't even think. He just bolts towards his son, dead sprinting towards his son. Now, Okay, come on, think about the son. 
right? He's walking, he's going over his plans, going over his speech, thinking about this, cutting off this kazaza. And then he looks up and he sees this thing, like this shadow bolting towards him and thinking like, oh darn, like that guy's coming hot. Like he, and he's thinking, he's like, they're cutting me off, right? So I'm like, are you getting in turtle mode? Are you getting like, this? Are you, what's he doing? You know what I mean? Like, and before he could do anything, the dad just like bear hugs him and he kisses him. It's awesome. It's amazing. And the next part's so good. It's so good because the son is so locked in on what he needs to do that he misses the whole scene right here because he's like, dad, get off of me. Get off, I gotta do something, right? Next verse, he's like, just, just wait, dad, wait. Next verse says, the son said, oh, father, wait. Here's my plan. It's my plan. I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and, and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. And so this son, again, he just says, okay, dad, just, just hear me out. Just hear me out. All right. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. Okay, that's part one. All right, I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That was really hard, but the, okay, that got the part two out there. And then what he was really banking on, everybody, was this third part, just make me a servant because this is the only shot that he thinks he has. He's like, I gotta figure it out, dad. I thought about this. This is what I know it needs to be. And so he opens his mouth, but before a word comes out, the dad loves it, says, quick. He doesn't even get out the third part. Did you notice that? He, quick. He doesn't, and, and here's what you don't see the dad say. He doesn't say, hey, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You need to, we're gonna take you in a timeout for a second. We, I don't know if this return is genuine. I don't know, man. And I'm not gonna tell your mother because you know how she gets, right? Like, he's like, he doesn't do any of that. He just says, quick, we're gonna restore you right now. Such a great scene. Isn't it a great scene? And a lot of times this is where we end the story. But you see, we can't end the story because Jesus didn't say there, were, there was one son, there were two. So the older brother catches word that his, other, that his other brother's back. And not only that, that they're having a party and he's throwing a party. And so, so now he comes in from working because that's what good sons do. He's out there working, doing what his dad wants to do. And he saw the party going on. And here's what Jesus says happens. It says the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. And his father came out and begged him but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never even gave me one young goat. I didn't even have a goat party, man, like for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, he's not my brother anymore, comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? Man, so Jesus says, older brother, Older son hears the younger brother's alive and back and he gets angry. Let me ask you this. Have you ever seen an angry Christian? Like just so mad. You ever seen that? Like you ever watch somebody preaching on TV and they're losing their minds and they're talking about Jesus but they're just so mad at the world. You ever wonder why? Well, if you've ever wondered why, Jesus just told you why. He just told you why. Because there are Christians who are like the older son. 
They're like the older son who follow God, do everything right. I did everything you told me to do. And they feel like because of that, they deserve something better than that younger, mucky old brother of mine. And they get resentful and they get self-righteous. And he says, because just look what he says. Look, all these years I've slaved for you. I've done all these things. I've never said no to you. Maybe for us, I've been faithful. Hey, listen, I did what you said to do. I've stayed in the marriage. I read my Bible every day. I pray and I, 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 I do the work. I deserve it. And surely he doesn't deserve what I get out of this. And Christian, I'm telling you, we wrestle with that more than we think. We wrestle with that way more than we think with the younger brothers. But the father steps in again. And he goes, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. You're not losing a thing. We had to, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the dad says, son, you're missing the whole point. You're missing this entirely. I'm not having this party because of what he deserves. This isn't about what he deserves or what he doesn't deserve. This isn't about what you've done or what you haven't done. This is about the fact that he was lost. He was dead and now he's back. He's alive. He's back with me and you've always been with me. And and son, everything I've given you, I'm not taking one single thing back. You've got it all. You've got it all, but now we're all together again. And so we have to celebrate. And gang, this right here is why I think the story shouldn't be called the prodigal son. See, most people think that they, when you see the word prodigal, that you think the word, like when you look it up, you think it means wayward or lost, but that's not what it means. When you look up the word prodigal, the, the first two definitions are excessive and lavish. Excessive and lavish. Now, was the son excessive in his, in his partying? Yeah, probably. Was he lavish in, in what he did by blowing all his money? Yeah, you bet, but... Who was the most excessive person in this story? Gang, I would say it's the father because his love and his compassion is the most excessive thing in this entire story. And gang, that's Jesus's moral of this story because he's trying to tell us that that is the kind of God that you have, that you have a God who would rather rescue than punish. That's who he is to you, that the heart of God is always to restore instead of first reject. And it comes from a love, listen to me, that's excessive and it's lavish and it is not what any of us deserve. And so if you're taking notes, go ahead and grab those and get those out because I think Jesus is trying to show us three things about our prodigal God. And so I just think if you write these down, it might help you maybe this week, this year, as you're looking at this and understanding more about God. First thing that Jesus wanted us to know about our prodigal God is that God is relationally prodigal. He's relationally prodigal. And so again, in the story, uh, what you see is the father was unwilling to like make the son stay, right? He didn't, so what I'm saying is he didn't force this relationship on him. He isn't interested in forcing it. And he knew, listen, he knew it wasn't a good idea. He knew probably what was gonna happen, but, but he let him go anyways, all the while knowing he was gonna be waiting for him the whole time. And, and here's what I wanna say. When it comes to us and God, God's no different, that his motivation is always relationship. Let me say that again. His motivation to you is always relationship. He's always going after that. And he he will not force it. He will not force it. And and here's what I'm gonna say. If there is something broken between you and God, I don't know how to say this any better way. It's never him who breaks that. It's always us. It's always you. It's always us turning and going somewhere else. But here's what you need to understand. Because he loves you, he will always be waiting for you to return. That's how prodigal 
he is relationally to you. That's the first thing that Jesus wants you to know. The second thing is that he wants you to know that God is sacrificially prodigal. He's sacrificially prodigal. And so when the father in the story ran towards the son, okay, in that culture, that was so undignified. Like that was unhurt. Nobody would have said my father would do that. Like it was embarrassing to see. And some of you fathers would say amen to that. I ain't running for nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it's true. Like they would have been like, that does not happen. But here's what Jesus was trying to say. And see his dad, the, the dad wanted to get his, to his son first so bad because A, he wanted to get there before anyone could take any kind of action. And B, he wanted to let everyone know he will not get what he deserves today. Catch that? He will not get what he deserves. And gang, it's exactly what Jesus did for us. It's exactly what he did for us. Jesus took the shame of your sin. He took the public, embarrassing pain on the cross that he bled and he died and it was sacrificial for you. He became what we should be, cut off from God. That's what he became for you. He took all of that sin on and he sacrificed himself so that we could be restored back to God. So he was sacrificially prodigal. No, I mean, think of a greater way to do that. There's no greater way. And here's the third thing, that our God is also extravagantly prodigal. And so here's how Jesus says the father lavishes his son in the story. He goes like over the top. He goes over the top. So he says, get him a robe, put on the ring, get sandals for his feet. So, so I want to go through these really quick. So the robe was like royal, kind of royal robe. It wasn't like a bedtime robe that you're thinking of. Uh, it was the best material. And it, what it did, it covered up the sun, right? And so for us, see, that represents the righteousness of Christ covering us, that there's a spiritual weight to that. that that's what it means for us. The ring uh, had like the, the family seal on it, had like the name of the family on it when he, when he got the ring back. And so for us, when we come back to God, see, here's what he's saying. He doesn't want you on the fringe. He doesn't want you there. He's saying, no, you have my name on you now. Wherever you go, you've got my name. And then the sandals, really interesting, represent freedom, believe it or not. See, like slaves back in the day, they were never given sandals so they couldn't run. I don't know if you knew that. So the sandals was him saying, son, you have no restrictions. Think about that. You have no restrictions, you're free. And, and gang, listen, that's what the Bible says about us, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So he is relationally prodigal. He is sacrificially prodigal. He is extravagantly prodigal. And so this is why I believe the story of the prodigal is, is one of the greatest Easter messages that we could look at because it gives us the greatest picture of John 6, 3.16 that I could think where Jesus said, for God so loved, right, the world that he gave me, Jesus, that whoever believes in me will not perish but have everlasting life. It's a story of how God is, is always and always will be willing us and loving us back to him. But you see, this story also kind of leaves us with a few other things. There, there's a tension that it leaves us in as well. One tension that people have with this story is this. Man, that's too easy. That's way too easy, man. Like you can't blow it, live wild, do your thing and then show up to God and everything's all right. There's gotta be consequences here, Andy. There's gotta be something that you gotta do. There's gotta be a hoop you jump through, a cost associated with this rebellion. And so there's a whole group of people, the older sons who are saying, he can't come back and just say sorry and then we kill the calf and party. It's too easy. And then there's a whole other group of people that would say, this is too much. It's too easy, it's too much. 
Like, I don't think I can wrap my head around that kind of love. I've never experienced that kind of love. And my, my dad's never been like that to me because I know who I am. I know where I've come from. I know I'm not that special. In fact, I understand why the brother will be so upset and angry at me with my story. So I don't want a robe. I don't want the ring or any of that. Not with my past, not with my story or my life. Can I just be in the servant quarters? Can I just be kind of off on the fringes? All that other stuff is too much. And to the people who think it's too easy, and to those who think it's too much, I just want to redirect you to who's telling this story. Jesus, Son of God, standing in a crowd of sinners and Pharisees, the do-gooders and the runaways, and he is on his way to die on the cross for the sins of the entire world so that anybody who wants it can be forgiven and restored with our Heavenly Father. And he looks at the two easy people and he says, I went through the most unbearable, public, painful, most terrifying thing ever invented to kill someone, to make a way for you and for anyone who wants to come home to me. So why don't you let me decide what's too easy? I'm the one who did it. Let me decide what's too easy. I'm laying my life down for them and I believe it'll change them. So why don't you let me handle that? And then he looks at the too much people and he says, too bad. I already did it. It's done. Too bad. Oh. He said, that's what my love and forgiveness looks like. It's prodigal, prodigal. I went all in for you. And so I don't want you on the fringes. I want you in on my family. You get my seal. And that doesn't mean fringes. That means right here with me. And so I just, on this Easter Sunday, here's what I wanna leave you with. Here's what I want you to know. God loves you. He loves you. And when Jesus went to the cross, he did it willingly. He made it so personal. And so salvation is personal. It's not just kind of knowing stuff. It is a personal thing between you and God to receive God's mercy and to ask him for Jesus's work to be applied to your sin and applied to your life. And here's the thing, gang, he will do it if you just come to him and you turn from your life and you repent and say, I confess my sin, God, will you forgive me? And he'll do it if you believe in Jesus for your sins to be forgiven because he is so prodigal in his great love for you. There is an open invitation for anybody to receive that, to come into a relationship with God. The door's wide open for you. Doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, what your parents did, your creed, color, age, does not matter. And you cannot earn it by anything you do because you have a sin problem just like everybody else. And so what do we do? What do we do? How do we, how do we figure that out? Well, this is where Jesus comes in. Jesus did something for you that you cannot do. He did it for the unrighteous, the self-righteous, the do-gooder, and the wrongdoer. He did it for all of us. He died on the cross. He died for you. And when he died, listen, he paid the price. Once and for all, he paid the price for your sin. And he proved that all of this forgiveness and all these things are possible by coming out of the grave. Gang, this is good news. This is good news. I think about how many times I've been up here, I thought about this and asked people to receive this message for the first time in their lives. And it just blows me away, the opportunity that God has given me. And we're gonna do that here in a minute. But here's what I thought would be so neat to see this morning uh, here at South Auditorium out there watching. I just thought we would do something. Uh, and I wanna see how many people have already done that in your life. And, and I think it'll help people in here to make a decision if, if they're kind of thinking about that. So I think it'd be really encouraging for us to see as believers. And I think it'll help some people in here today. So here's what I wanna do. 
For anybody in here, anybody in the South Auditorium out there who have said yes, you know you've said this yes to the statement, I believe in Jesus. I have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, whether it was last year, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, and you are still in complete amazement of how God rescued you. As a declaration of your faith, will you just raise your hand in the air right now and keep it up there, keep it up. Do not put it down, okay? Now look around, keep your hand up there. Help out, help everybody out, stay up there. Wow, this is awesome. Okay, now, now, here's what I want you to keep your hands up there. There's gonna be a shoulder workout, everybody. Okay, now, I wanna ask you right now, if today, right now, in this moment, you said, oh man, I, want, I'm, I just declared that. I, I am believing in Jesus right now and you are placing your faith for the first time in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. I want you to raise your hand right now and join the family of faith right now. Raise your hand, yes. Give me some fingers so I can see you twittering right there, right there in the middle. Anybody else? Just give me some jazz hands so I see that you just joined us. Yes, yes. Okay, go ahead and put them down. Thanks for joining us. Can we just praise God right now that some people made a decision for Christ? Yes. Okay, all right. So here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. If you had your hand up, all of you, if all of you had your hand up, okay, here's what I wanna do. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, today is the day that you did it. Here's what we're gonna do. I want all of us to join in a prayer. You have it on the back of your, or the bottom of your outlines. We're gonna pray this prayer together. So for those of you who are already Christians, let this just set in on you, that this is what you did. And for those of you who are new, we're gonna have it up on the screen too. I want all of us to pray. And if this is your day, this will just give you the moment. You're already saved, by the way. The Holy Spirit already did his work. There's nothing you pray or do. But we're gonna do this together and pray this and just make this the time that you place your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness. Is everybody ready? We don't do this a lot, so let's see, let's see how we do. All right, ready? All right, ready? Okay. Heavenly Father, I am just like the young son. I have gone my own way. I am not perfect. My sin needs to be forgiven. I can't earn it, I don't deserve it. I believe when Jesus came, he lived the life I can't live, and he died on the cross to forgive my sin. So I place my faith in Jesus as my savior and sin forgiver, and I commit my life to following you forever, amen. Hey, let's give a shout to God and say how great he is. Yes, awesome, awesome. Now. Yes, that's how you end Easter service, right, everybody? Now, if you're here and you did pray that prayer for the first time, easy thing to do. There's a connect card in front of your seat. This is the first step. This isn't the final thing. This is the very first step. Get a connect card and fill it out. And just, there's a box that says, I just prayed to receive Jesus. And all we wanna do is just get something in your hands to help you take the next step, which is an awesome book called My First 30 Quiet Times. It'll help you understand what you just did. And so we wanna record that. You can drop it in the buckets on your way out. Make sure you do that if this is the day that you declared uh, that Jesus is your savior for the first time. Believers, I hope this was an encouraging time for you as well. Happy Easter, everybody. And we will see you next Sunday. Happy Easter, everybody.